Hi, it's Shani Vincent here from Your Next. Uh, what can I tell you about Your Next? Let me see. Um, initially, the character Erin was supposed to die at the end, which I thought was a little bit of injustice after everything she went through. So I encouraged the producers to shoot a second ending where she lived and that's the one they went with. So hopefully that worked in your favor. Let me know what you thought about that. If she had died at the end, if that would have been better or worse. Yeah, it was, it was a real ton of fun to shoot. I've always been a fan of horror movies myself. I grew up obsessed with horror, in fact, so it's just a dream come true to now be involved in actually making them and starring in them. And, uh, you know, I just, I just love everything about it. I'm actually producing a new horror film at the moment. It's another home invasion, so I think you'll enjoy that. It should be out next year. Um, I am playing the lead girl in that as well. So, you know, fingers crossed that you like that just as much as your next. And, um, you know, just remember, don't go out and always lock your door. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. My man Brian has done a fantastic job with the website. He's got it looking great. Everything about our podcast is on there. All our episodes and interviews from episode one, to our weekly release. If you want to check out all of our episodes there, maybe you have an office job, don't have access to your phone. You can listen on your desktop computer. We've done some incredible interviews in the past with some of the biggest names in horror. Uh, some of your favorite slashers, uh, writers, directors, check out our interviews. If you haven't heard those yet, we got our store where we got some new t-shirts. Uh, Brian and Dustin have done some fantastic designs. If you want to check those out. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well. If you want to grab a Tumblr, and we also have our social media, fa uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We love, you know, meeting new people. We love answering your comments and questions on the air. So definitely check us out on social media. And the last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. You're a big fan of our podcast, a big fan of our show. You want to help support us. That option is available. And we also have one-time donations if you want to donate and, you know, have a, if you have a film review you want us to do, that option is available as well. All right, guys, let's jump into the film review. This week is my choice. Uh, you know, since it was my month, I chose my own subgenre, which in context might not have been fair. I maybe should have had one of them pick for me, but I chose Home Invasion. I'm a big Home Invasion subgenre fan. Uh, I've debated on picking this movie and another choice, which I'm picking next month. It was torn between these two, You're Next and Don't Breathe. But I went with your next just because I rewatched it recently. This is a movie that I grow to like more and more each time I watch it. It's just a really quick watch, nothing too deep, really fun, good kills. And I'll say this in my notes several times tonight, the most badass final girl of all time. Is she my favorite final girl of all time? No, probably not. But is she the most badass? Yes. So I have a really good time with this movie. I do have some problems with it, which I will get into when we get into the scene by scene. But I'm really looking forward to chit-chatting about this movie with you guys, and I'm excited to hear what you think about it. Brian, what do you think? Oh, I love this movie. Now, I think the first time I watched this, I watched this, and Ready or Not is like a double feature, and you can't go wrong there. Uh, this one was actually on my list to pick as well, Nico. So, uh, by the way, you can catch our Ready or Not review. Don't go out there.com. Uh, but, yeah, 
I like the, I think the kills are awesome. Like you said, I think Adam Wingard does a tremendous job with his choices and, and also the editing. Uh, you know, he kept it a, a tight hour and a half and it's easy watch. Also a lot of credit to just Simon Barrett's script. I think it was a perfect combination of, of that, you know, dark humor, but not too much of it, you know, in suspense. And the, the twist was good, but the movie doesn't hinder on that reveal. I mean, if, if who is in on it at the end was never in on it, I don't think it would have hurt the movie whatsoever because it's strong enough all throughout that it was a, you know, it was a cool twist, but not one that, like I said, it was hindering on that reveal, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing the other guys' thoughts. Hey, before you go, Mike, I will agree with you, Brian, about that, that the twist isn't needed, but I do think it adds the cherry on top. Yeah, no, I, I, think, it's, I think it's great. It, I it think just doesn't that, hinder on it like some movies. Yeah, that little twist, I think, adds, or it, it separates it a little bit. It's not just a basic three guys breaking yeah. in. There's a little razzle-dazzle to it. But go ahead. Yeah, so this may be my favorite movie we've done in quite some time. I really like this movie. This is a quick watch, which bonus points <laughs> for being an hour and a half. And like you know, Brian said, tight. But, uh, you, you know, like, this movie does a great job of giving me characters to care about in a very quick amount of time, not too much exposition, not too much just backstory, you know, three hours, whatever. We don't need any of that. We get just enough character breakdown that I'm in involved in these characters in the first 15 minutes. Like, I want to know more. I want to know what the family's doing. I want to know what the connection is. They do just enough to pull me in. And then everything else that Brian mentioned, the suspense, some funny good there, – there's some really good funny moments in this movie – but they're normally followed up by some dark moments. Man, I just had a blast watching it. It was it was really, really fun. I, I you know the best part is the kills. I think they're super creative for the most part. Even the ones I've seen criticized online, like the you know, the wire or the tripwire or the razor wire or whatever, I thought was pretty cool. Like I, I don't know. And of course we get me and Brian this patented neck stab or excuse me, throat slash that I like mm-hmm. so much. So always a plus on that. I think the last Two kills in the kitchen are fucking fantastic. There's so much to like about the movie. And look, I like the script. The dialogue doesn't bother me. It feels like a real family that would fight in this way. You know, who you think you're supposed to be pulling for, you're not. You know, who you think you're supposed to be rooting against, you're not. Like, I really like some of the twists and turns that the story takes. I had a freaking blast with it, man. Yeah, I had never seen this movie until... uh Earlier this week or last week, whenever it was, I watched it. Yeah, earlier this week, I watched it for the first time. Um, I looked it up and I, I didn't have high hopes because, <clears throat> you know, didn't recognize any of the names uh, involved just right off the bat. Uh, you know, I looked into a little bit more and, of course, I knew some of them. But I was like, ah, well, we'll see. Nico picked it, so it'll probably suck. But I, I watched it and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I, it was a very enjoyable movie. And I agree that she's probably the most badass final girl we've had. She could also have my children. And I, I like the twist, but I will say this. The second twist was unnecessary, I felt like, because it was just so, like, at least for me, I felt like it was predictable. I felt, because I kept questioning the whole time. I was like, where the hell is this motherfucker at? Like, he, where, where'd he go? And so I was like, ah, he's in on it. And so I hate that I guessed that so early, but, um, you know, other than that, yeah, it's a, it's a very enjoyable, quick home invasion watch. All right, I'm going to be uh, reading the scene by scene this week, and uh, Nico's going to be taking my spot, so uh, let's get into it. We open up with some sex, 
between who turns out to be a professor, Eric, and a student, Talia. Talia with a very disinterested look on her face after the coitus, but Eric is pleased enough with himself, and he hops in the shower as she walks around the house, puts on a CD, and pours herself a drink, ignoring the home invasion signs around the house. We switch POV to Eric as he gets out of the shower and sees your next written on the window in what's supposed to be blood, maybe. I don't know, written a little too perfect for me, but anyway. Uh, a masked assailant surprises Eric, and we get our first kill, albeit an 80s-style cutaway. We cut to Mom, Aubrey, and Dad, Paul, arriving at a very large home to anyone's standards, except maybe Mike and perhaps Bruce Wayne. We then quickly cut to movie heroine Aaron and her boyfriend Crispin, who we find out are heading to the Davidsons. Oh, and are also professor and former student in a relationship as well. What a coincidence. After a very unnecessary jump scare, we get ready for the night and head to bed as Crispin heeds a warning of possible family animosity upcoming the next day. The next day, we're introduced to the rest of the family in attendance, older brother Drake and his wife Kelly in an uncomfortable conversation. And while in the kitchen, Aubrey, the legend, Barbara Campton, asks Aaron to go to the neighbor's house and get some milk. Nico? All right. I hope I'm not as disappointing as Talia felt at the beginning of this movie. I felt terrible for her. Starting this movie off getting this lackluster wienering. I do have to say she doesn't seem scared enough, in my opinion, seeing these motion lights and finding the open glass door. The year next in blood is awesome and terrifying. Finding his, I assume, girlfriend dead is horrific. Machete slashes, he's a goner. This is a really cool way to open the movie. I'm a big fan of this opening scene. Seeing Barbara Crampton and Rob Moran, just awesome. I'm a big fan of them both. They're great additions to the cast. And finding out Eric left his wife makes me dislike that goober even more. But there's another instance of not being concerned enough. Paul finds their home unlocked. I don't know. I guess I'm just more paranoid than these people are, I guess. I'll have to ask my rich co-host, Brian and Dustin, if they're more concerned in this situation. You know, no, I, don't have a, I don't have a vacation house like them. I would be concerned. Wow, Mike, I'm wow. sure you would be concerned as well. You're another rich guy. Whoa. But, <laughs> but here's another instance. Another instance of not being scared enough. The goddamn chandelier shakes, and Aubrey hears footsteps, and Paul says, I'll just go check it out. But my girl Barbara's not been enough of these horror flicks to know that. She knows when to hold them and when to fold them. So, uh, yeah, just trust her in this situation. I will say I don't like this jump scare with Crispin and Paul. I don't buy that Paul doesn't hear his ass walking up there. But the door creeping open is a nice touch. Aaron has a really unique first impression meeting Crispin's parents. And the more I look at Aaron and Crispin, I can't help but wonder, how in the hell did he pull her? She is way too hot for him, but I digress. I love this shot showing the mask in the window's reflection as Aubrey gets a drink. It lets the audience know that some good shit's about to go down. You know, more family shows up. Drake is a douche big brother, just adding to this family dynamic. Asking the new girl to go ask the neighbor for milk is very strange to me personally, especially considering Paul and Aubrey mentioned that they brought groceries in the house last night. How the fuck do you forget milk? That's like one of the essentials. Ask Brian. He's a dad. Really good opening kills and a nice introduction to some of our main characters. Uh, I think this is a fun little open. Go ahead, Mike. Well, Nico, you would know. You're dad, too. Uh, anyway, so look, not, not often do we get a, a movie started with fucking. And I know that's crazy because we do a movie, you know, a podcast about horror movies. But very rarely do we get fucking right off the rip. And, you know, like, you know, like Nico said, this poor woman, she was disappointed, upset. Like, I man, that was like my favorite team losing a big game. That's the kind of disappointment I saw in her face. That was terrible. Lackluster wienering as Mr. Chen said over there, uh, that dick must have been miserable. 
What's hey, that? Yo. Whoa, what? Hey, yo. It, it, it must have been miserable. You could tell it was terrible. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to lie. I like your next on the mirror or the window, but it kind of looked like it was written in red lipstick. So, like, you know, to touch on something Brian said, it was almost too well written. <laughs> like, someone really took the time to make that art uh, on there. So, you know, that's just one of those little things that's a small nitpick, doesn't take anything away. Barbara Crampton, let's fucking go. She's also a great follow on Twitter. Horror movie, you know, standout. Also, Barbara, call me sometime. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not sure I would date someone with ties to the KGB, but that's just me. Whether it's this, you know, dad or uncle or net. Nope, none of that. Not, not doing that. You could meet parents in worse ways than than Aaron does here because I've met a girl's parents while I was mooning a friend of mine. She didn't tell me that they were about to walk up into the house. They opened the door, and there I am, full bare ass with my nuts hanging out, uh, mooning my friend because I thought it would be funny. Well, it turns out that girl's parents walked right in, so that was a great introduction. See, Aaron, it's not so bad. Uh, one positive about the movie, I mentioned it in my opening, is that it already has me interested in the plot. I don't need a, an exposition dump. I don't need 20 years worth of stories and knowledge. I don't need a cinematic universe. That's a shot I just took right there. We get enough backstory on our characters right here off the rip. We have almost everything we need. I got enough to sink my teeth into. And I don't have a whole lot on the set of scenes, so I'll stop right here. You can already tell, and I like that they're kind of sowing, you know, not well, planting seeds here. You can tell there's weird tensions in the family without there being just like overtly, I, I hate you. No, there's clearly like one brother's a dick. One brother's kind of a pushover, and one brother's really weird, and uh, clearly the daughter is the favorite. So you've got this dynamic going on. I'm a fan of the first set of scenes, but I would say not a whole lot, quote-unquote, happens, except the opening kill, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you guys said it. We start we start the movie with a trip right into Poundtown, and a Buddy missed his exit. That's a hell of a start to the movie. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't take long to establish the tension and feeling of dread. I love that. We're just like right into it. That's great. Uh, also I love the wind chime made out of silverware. That's some redneck ingenuity. Looks like it came out of, you know, my neck of the woods, East Tennessee. And then we're five minutes in and we've got two kills. So we're off to a great pace so far. Although both kills were off screen, it was very effective. I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, I love the blood smeared on the glass and smelling of the title. Uh, of the movie slash the warning, however you want to interpret that. Did we? Because did we get an actual title card? I guess that serves as a title card. But um, also, what the hell did these two people have to do with the story? Like I kept waiting for it to. Like I know we revisit the house later, but what did these two poor folks do besides you know have some you know disappointing sex, disappointing coitus to borrow a term from Nico? Like what the hell were they? Like that was just unnecessary to me. Then we meet call, uh, Paul, and shout out to Rob Morin. I recognized him immediately, immediately from one of my favorite movies ever, Kingpin. He's also from Dumb and Dumber, Me, Myself, and Irene, and much more. So it's good to see him here. But he's got to do a better job at clearing rooms. Like, just because Crispin scares the shit out of you, you still got to check behind the door that you were about to look in. Like, that's the theme in this movie. These motherfuckers don't know how to clear a room for shit. What are you doing? So much death could have been avoided, maybe. Uh, and then we get a fantastic shot, like Nico said, uh, of the reflection, you know, in, in the window there when Aubrey's in the kitchen getting a drink. That's an elite shot. Like, that's probably my 
single favorite frame of the entire movie is the mask in the window there. I think this is a very promising opening set of scenes. Uh, you've got the feeling of dread in almost every moment because of how the tone was set and the lack of really anything positive. There was no positive sounding score. There's very limited humor. Like everything about this opening set of scenes just felt like you're on, you know, on edge. And I think that's great. All right. On the way to the neighbors, Aaron takes a picture of the three guys outside. And as she leaves, we start to hear the secrets of the family exposed as Crispin tells Paul about not getting a fellowship and, and money problems. Uh, and Drake gets shut the fuck down by Kelly trying to get a little nookie. And so eh, ends up just popping a Vicodin. Aaron arrives at Eric and Talia's and we see Eric dead as fuck sitting at the couch. Uh, as Amy and Tariq and Felix and Z arrive at Mike's mansion, Amy seems to be the only one that is happy Fuck to be you. there. <laughs> Amy seems to be the only one that is happy to be there, and Aubrey expresses how happy she is everyone is together. At dinner, Drake is clearly high and drunk and commences to start fucking with everyone at the table, causing he and Crispin to nearly come to blows. During the arguing, Tariq stands up, goes to the window, and catches a fucking arrow to the head. We are under attack by arrows, and it's not by Indians, ladies and gentlemen. Drake takes one to the shoulder, and it's mad Native chaos Americans. in the house. Amer America's first people. Native uh, Americans. Aaron begins to take control of the situation, and they concoct a plan for Amy to run out of the house and make a call. Amy does and is met with a steel wire to the neck, which opens her up, and she promptly bleeds out and dies on the living room carpet. Paul brings Aubrey upstairs, and Aaron tells them they should all cover up all the doors and windows as panic ensues throughout. Go ahead, nigga. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, starting this off, Crispin is a shitty boyfriend, not going with Aaron to the neighbors. I really feel like Aaron not being able to get milk from the neighbors. They know our home is kind of a big red flag that was just kind of glossed over. Kelly is being a hater for no reason on Aaron's accent. I think this was added to the movie just to show the content of the character of these people here. Aubrey continues to be charming. Barbara portrays this loving mother so well. And Amy seems like a genuinely nice person. One of the few people there who's genuinely nice. I wrote down that I know my co-host have to appreciate this scene. I love this meta moment of Drake asking Tariq what he does. He's a filmmaker. And if any of our listeners didn't know this, that's motherfucking Ty West, who would go on to make X and Pearl, which you can listen to our reviews at, don't go out there dot com, episodes 256 and 261. If you looked up an example of a family dinner disaster, this would be it. This movie is full of tonal shifts, which starts here with Tariq being shot in the head with an arrow. The panic and fear look so authentic and real on everyone's face. I love Barbara's scream in her face. It's, she does a great job. 
At this moment, Aaron begins to shine, trying to compose everyone amongst his chaos. Drake is hilarious amongst his agony. His, his agony excuse me. I need drugs, but at least his wife ha- has the Vicodin plug. I'm the fastest, but I've got this arrow in my back. Drake is a funny motherfucker. I laugh my ass off at that. I love how the family keeps having the dick measuring contest, even when they're all being killed. I'm a big fan of this movie, but I think this run out of the house attempt by Amy is beyond stupid. It's a good looking throat slash, but who honestly thinks this is a good idea? I can't imagine how these parents are feeling emotionally. I would like Brian maybe to chime in when we're all done about how he would feel as a parent. Aubrey and Paul continue to do a fantastic job portraying their feelings. I will say that. Aaron is such a badass and smart, locking all the windows, texting 911. That's just brilliant. This is a great set of scenes that's really got the heart pumping. Uh, I'm a big fan. Mike, what'd you think? Yeah, so again, I don't have like a ton on this set of scenes because I have a ton on the last two sets. But the first two sets are just kind of laying that groundwork, getting me into the characters. And I think that they do a great job just keeping my attention, which again, for a movie with not a lot of stars, not a lot of hype, you know, more like in that almost cult classic category, I think it does a good job. <laughs> Again, this before you know the twist, it seems like, you know, the family is all kind of hard on each other. You know, they're giving shit about professions, and especially the older brother, seems like such a dick. Like, in this scene at the dinner table, he seems like such a fucking asshole. Again, like I said at the top, though, you know, don't judge a book by its covers, who you're supposed to like and not like. But like I said earlier, the sister seems like the absolute favorite, which to the shock of no one, uh, she seems like the perfect child. She does everything right. You know, kind of an odd boyfriend choice to me, but since it ended up being Ty West, you know, like you said, that's very meta. And I loved that nail on the head. Uh, I will say this older brother was just, he, the scene made me feel so awkward watching it that I started to tense up. That's how I know that the writing is good and that you're doing a good job. Imagine being the two newbies here, the <laughs> the boyfriend and the girlfriend. Just uh, like a standard dinner, again, we know the twist is coming, but just imagine being those two, like, this is so fucking awkward. No one wants to be a part of this kind of family shit, especially when it's the first time meeting each other. But I just love the scene so much. It it's really starts to shift the mood and atmosphere into a different kind of movie. You know, I know that we didn't have anything ha-ha, too much in in the opening set, but this is where it really starts to kind of kick up and change, and the pace starts to pick up, and some of the music starts to be pumped in, and and I and I really love it. You get more character depth with Aaron again, without too much exposition. You know, she knows what to do with the wound. You know, once the attacks start happening, she knows what to do with someone who's wounded. That makes me go, huh? What's her deal? I wonder what. Her backstory is how does she know this all? You know, she's quick on her feet, quick thinker. And I love that character development without really just, you know, going too far in, uh, <laughs> you know, this running out of the house thing is so much bullshit. Uh, I, I like the kill. Like, I love it, but it's such a bullshit way to get to it. You know, this is some f- fucking Kevin McAllister wet bandits bullshit here. And that happens a couple times in this movie. It's one of my only nitpicks is like, again, this feels like fucking home alone sometimes with the way some of these booby traps work. So, and again, you can just tell that Aaron has been through some shit. She's seen some shit and, and knows what to do in these situations. But again, love the character development from everyone. We're starting to really pick up great set of scenes. Just not a whole lot to say because I kind of run my mouth in the next two sets. So heads up. So I love how they circle back to the house um, from the open and, and, 
that's creepy. Like, I, I like that part. Uh, and then, hey, Tariq, shout out to Ty West. Like you guys said, seeing him in this after we've covered those uh, other movies, like, it's, it's really cool to see. Um, the dynamic between the uh, members of this family is so hard to pin down for me at first. Like, they all seem like they hate each other. It's all sarcasm all the time. And then Crispin and Drake start arguing. I'm like, ah, okay, it makes sense. They do hate each other. And then, boom, arrow through the dome. Now, when all these arrows start flying, it seems a little too logical to close the fucking curtains. No, let's just keep them all open and just keep standing in the open. So it's going to be a theme in this movie. I enjoy this movie, but I do have quite a few problems with their uh, their logic. Uh, and then, you know, just gra- grabbing chairs and running past the window. Couldn't they have just crawled underneath, like, and not been seen? Stay low and go underneath where no one can see. Like, that's that's stupid. Stay low, dumbasses. And then Aubrey was so close to saying her name in this set of scenes. She said, we can't go out there. I was like, damn it. I thought we had one. I thought we had a clip. Uh, we'll, we'll find it eventually. Then this dumbass wants to make a run for it, and they agreed a letter. Like, I can understand one person be like, hey, I got to make a run, and they're all like, no. That's that's stupid. But no, they're just like, okay, yeah, you got a point. Go for it. And then the slow motion running was fucking hilarious to me. Like, I don't know why, but they made this bitch look like she was Usain Bolt. They made it look like she was about to run a 4-1 flat. And then she got clotheslined by a piano wire. Like, that shit was hilarious to me. But the next slit, like, that did look cool. Like, that was Oh, it's a great kill. Cool it's kill. An awesome kill. It's just, just stupid as shit. Dumb as hell. <laughs> dumb as hell. And uh, so it was kind of just hilarious seeing how all that played out. And then, what the fuck is Crispin saying talking about, I've never seen you act like this? Bitch, just because her fight or flight functions properly, don't take that tone with her. I don't like your tone, Crispin. But <laughs> once you see the tone, once you see that part of the twist, it kind of makes sense why he's taken aback. He's like, oh shit, right. <laughs> we might have more on our hands than we can handle. No doubt. He's, he does a disservice to all the great people named Crispin, like Crispin Glover. That's right. Great dance yeah. moves. And, right. and Crispin uh, Wah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Everybody ready? Yeah. As Aubrey lies in the bed crying, we see an assailant emerge from under the bed wearing a wolf mask. Aubrey is killed with a machete as we cut away to Aaron being attacked in the kitchen by a tiger masked individual. But Aaron manages to put a knife through his hand and escape as the kids find Aubrey sporting machete to the head and read your next written on the wall in blood exactly the same way as the other house. But I digress. As Kelly is left alone upstairs, she looks under the bed and we are met with a wolf mask jump scare and Kelly screams and runs outside. Drake hits his protruding arrow wound on the metal wire, removes it and promptly passes out. Crispin makes a run for the car and we cut to Kelly, who has made it to the neighbor's. Lamb Mask catches up to her and punches her in the fucking face immediately. He then proceeds to drive an axe into the side of her face and sits down on the couch next to Eric in another great shot by Wingard. The White Tiger Power Ranger Mask Assailant then busts through the window and attacks Aaron. But it's to no prevail as Aaron fucks him up with a meat tenderizer until he's more than just mostly dead as Felix and Z watch on in disbelief. We cut to Paul upstairs looking for his wife's murderer as the power cuts and he finds sleeping bags and bottles of piss in the closet, indicating the killers aren't attacking them at random. As he proceeds to tell Felix and Z, his throat is immediately cut in a, in a great effect by Fox Mask. 
It's revealed to us that Felix and Z hired the assassins to murder the family so that they could collect their inheritance. We cut to Lamb Mask finding Tiger Mask's corpse and flips the dinner table over in a rage. He discovers a wounded Drake waking up, but retreats after Aaron proceeds to stab his ass in the back with a screwdriver. As Aaron proceeds to channel her inner Kevin McAllister, like Mike brought up, uh, by setting up some nail traps by the house's entrances, explaining to Z that she grew up in a survivalist count compound where she learned combat and survival skills. And the next set of scenes is the ending. Go ahead, Nico. All right. Like Mike kind of mentioned, I have a lot here in the last set of scenes, so just bear with me. Aubrey lying down while all this is going on is such a dumb decision. One of the things I dislike the most of the movie Barbara is the most famous scream queen in this. I want her to be with the family, no matter how emotionally distressed she is. I will admit, though, that it is a cool scene to see Fox Mask, Wolf Mask, whatever you call him, emerging from under the bed and killing her. It's a good shot. Aaron is attacked through the window, but instantly retaliates, stabbing the guy in the arm. I love her. She's by far the most badass final girl ever. Paul's reaction to Aubrey's death is heartbreaking. The you're next on the wall is good, too. I love it. I can't think of many scenarios that are more horrific than what this family is experiencing. Kelly looking under the bed is dumb, but it's really fucking dumb to run outside screaming the whole time. I get a chuckle out of Drake passing out after he hits the arrow on the garrote wire and removing it. Drake, like I said, funny motherfucker. I enjoyed his character. I wrote, this movie is similar to Scream in the sense that after you know the twist, it's very obvious who's in on it on, you know, your sequential rewatches. Kelly's death scene. Wow. This might be one of my favorites in the entire movie. Thinking you found help, getting punched through the glass door, seeing Eric is actually dead on the couch, slammed through the glass table, then having an axe putt-putted into your noggin. Damn, what a great axe kill. The killer sitting on the couch by Eric's dead body is just a perfect way to end the scene. I think that scene is fantastically done. It's difficult taking notes on the scene with Crispin going back outside once you know the twist. It seems admirable in the moment, but in reality, he's just a piece of shit who couldn't handle what was happening. Fucking loser. I love the jump scare of the window shattering as Aaron walks past it. Another tonal shift when Aaron absolutely fucks Tiger Mask up. This is what every horror movie fan screams at their screen. Make sure the goddamn killer is dead. I get a chuckle out of Felix saying, it's kind of hard to tell when asked if they recognize him. And Brian kind of mentioned this, but I wrote, fun fact. Simon Barrett is the actor who portrayed Tiger Mask. Who is that, you may ask? He's the writer-producer of not only your next, but also Brian's recent found footage pick of 2016's The Blair Witch. Or Blair Witch, excuse me. Paul finds that people have been squatting in his house in the one room he didn't check at the beginning of the movie. And yet another tonal shift as Dad is killed right in front of Felix and Z, and it's revealed Felix is in on the attack. I think Paul does a great job of portraying his death in a believable way. A lot of, like, you know, throat slashes. They can be portrayed kind of cheesy looking, but I think Paul did a great job. I can't imagine killing my parents or siblings for money. No amount is worth it. It just shows how evil and disgusting people can be. I like when Lamb Mass finds Tiger Mass' dead body and seeing the agony he feels. You know, it's kind of good to see uh, some siblings actually care about each other for once in this movie. Felix is such a piece of shit. We all know that, but I just wanted to reiterate it. And kind of like how Mike's already mentioned, Aaron is Kevin McAllister on steroids, making these nail boards for the perpetrator to step on. You know, to some viewers of the movie, Aaron's explanation of how she's so resourceful and skilled could just be kind of lazy writing, but it works for me. I like it. I think it's good. Well, I do think that, you know, once you start really explaining how she's so resourceful, if you try to go too in-depth, 
it's too much. Like, we don't need that much. Like, it's supposed to, it's kind of a fun little horror movie. Like, I don't need, you know, and I'm sure it's great. I haven't seen it yet, but I don't need Oppenheimer level of screen time to explain what Aaron's backstory is. I just need to know why is she so badass? Oh, this is why. Okay, great. As long as you give me an explanation, I'm cool with that. Uh, okay, I'll start. Not sure I would like leave Barbara Crampton in, you know, in this room alone by herself in this movie. Like, I know she's emotionally distressed, but I would not go back down. I would stay with her. Uh, I would tell all my kids, hey, you're old enough to fight for yourself. Fuck them kids. Anyway, uh, look, this has one of my favorite shots in the whole movie as the mask starts to creep up over and behind Aubrey. It's so fucking good. Uh, love the way they shoot the killers in this movie uh, until, you know, towards the end when you get to see them a little bit more. But still in this part, they're kind of shot in the dark, in the shadows, like an old school slasher. I know it's a home invasion movie, but there's some a lot of old school slasher elements to this movie. And this is, you know, that's one of them is the, the way they shoot the killers. Uh, I really like it. Uh, excuse me. Love it. Really great job with the lighting. Um, I, again, I really like the the narrative that we're establishing with Aaron that she's a fighter now. Before she's resourceful, knows how to treat a wound. You know, maybe she's in going into med school or, you know, whatever. But now we know she's a fighter too. She's willing to beat people's ass, you know, fight people off, you know, do whatever it takes. So we're starting to lay that seed, lay that groundwork a little bit at a time. It didn't it wasn't just so rushed in. I will say this is one time I'm glad we didn't see the kill. Didn't need to see Aubrey's death. We, you know, we saw the aftermath. That's fine. Just the heartbreaking, gut wrenching stuff there you get. Uh, it's man, it's bad, you know. And again, at this point in the movie where you see Drake almost on death's door, I like his character too because he's an asshole, but he's an asshole. So him dying without knowing the twist is like, eh, whatever, you know, that's one guy they kind of set up to be on screen to kill. Turns out we probably sh- shouldn't have, I mean, we should have been okay with Drake. He wasn't really the asshole of this family. So, um, you know, that that's, again, more character development that I enjoy. First dumb decision that Aaron really made, in hindsight, now it's not. But in the time, first dumb thing she's really done is letting, you know, Crispin go outside. You know, again, this is almost the point where I thought they were going to say the name of our show uh, in the movie. Getting really close to saying, don't go out there. They didn't. Fucking mad about that. I want to be able to clip it or have someone clip it that's smarter than me. Uh, you know, like I said, I know it's a home invasion, but there's so many slasher elements here. Uh, <laughs> the look, these motherfuckers sitting on the couch together with the song playing got me. That song continuing to come back in, almost be a character of itself. I love it. Uh, and again, I would, you know, Aaron may be the youngest person here, but she's at this point. I'm listening to her if I'm still alive. Whatever Aaron says, that's what I'm doing. And they don't do that. And that was, again, that's where some of the plot stuff really fails to me. Like horror movie characters making really dumb decisions for no fucking reason. You get a little bit of that here. But again, not a big deal. I love the way the scene starts with her carrying the weapon and then breaking the window. It's creepy as fuck. Like the way that they make these killers creepy. Not funny. Not, not kiki haha. They're, you know, they take it very serious and I love it. And again, I just wrote in my notes because it happened so fast. Aaron is the baddest of asses. A good old throat slash, baby. Right here. Love a good throat slash. Hate to see the dad go, but what a fucking kill. It looked really good. And like Nico mentioned, I think it was great acting. Because most of the time, a throat slash, you just kind of get a fall into the floor. You really get the kind of sell job here, to quote professional wrestling. And I think they did a decent job. 
laying the groundwork and with hindsight upon a rewatch that 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 Z and their young brother were involved. Like if you go back and watch it, it's the little nuances, her facial expressions, his facial expressions, stuff they start to like, you know, sprinkle in there. I think they do a really good job with. Um, I love that this one killer is getting mad about uh, sheep faces getting killed. Knowing damn well, he's killed like over half the people in this house. I thought that was kind of funny, a little bit, uh, you know, kind of flipping it on its head there. And I, to me, right here towards the end of this set of scenes is where the movie starts to flip a little bit, where Aaron and the people in the house are no longer the hunted. They're starting to turn into the hunters because she's trying to kill all these killers now. Like, so again, the movie has kind of flipped narrative a little bit. And I, I just think it's done so, so well. Uh, I was just going to say what I really like about Paul's death is the fact that, you know, when he gets, he grabs his, his throat and he's got blood on his hands. Yeah. And he touches, you know, his son. It makes it a lot more personal. Like makes him absolutely makes him feel what he's done. I, I really like that. A- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, look, and again, we find you know last thing. Well, next to last, <laughs> you could tell these two idiots did not count on this young woman, innocent girlfriend being such a fucking badass, and that uh, they start to show that in their actions. They start to become frantic. It's acted really well. It's written really well. The The development of, oh, shit, we may have fucked up this whole thing is an awesome, well-done job laying that out. We get Aaron's backstory finally. It's just enough for me. I don't have a problem with it. And, and I yeah, so I love this set of scenes. I think it opens up a can of worms I wasn't expecting. It starts to make the movie really fun. <laughs> Pace goes fast. Big, big fan. Motherfucker crawling out from underneath the bed. This family is doomed. Like no one knows how to clear a room. They didn't think to look around before putting mom's crying ass in the bed. Like what the fuck's going? And then right after that, once again, does no one know how to take a fucking look around? Motherfucker's just chilling in the house and almost gets Kelly, but she gets away only to eat a stiff right cross that sends her through a window. Kind of laughed at that. Not for violence against women, but that shit was funny. And then that's a creative ass way to use an axe, like swinging it like a like a golf club. Hell yeah, I'm in, brother. And then when they move Drake's carcass, I noticed something. The damn curtains are still open. Are these people remedial? Like they're asking to be picked off from the outside. At least make it difficult for them. But we get a hell of a jump scare when Aaron is walking back with that handful of knives and the windows busted out. Like, holy shit, that one got me. That one, I was like, ah, okay. I had to, I had to, you know, go shoot some guns in the backyard to get my man credit back. But uh, I screamed, screamed a little bit. Uh, and then she goes all badass and bashes dude's head in with the meat tenderizer. But she did something after that that I love. Like, she unmasked the guy immediately. Like, a lot of times I feel like they would have just skipped that and walked away leaving it for chance, but she took his mask off immediately. We knew that he was dead. <clears throat> and then last thing is Paul's ass has no awareness at all. Like if he was a Madden player, his awareness would be in the negatives. The first player in history, just oblivious to everything around him. I, did, I will say though, it's a pretty good twist with, you know, Felix and Z being in on it. This is a solid set of scenes, but I do, I will say, I kind of wish that twist with Felix and Z, I wish it was kind of saved for later in the movie. Like, I don't, I wish they would, wouldn't have revealed it. You can still have Felix be the one that killed, uh, you know, Papa Bear upstairs, but don't show it to us. Like, last thing we see is they're upstairs together. We think they're fine. 
And then uh, next thing you know, dad's dead. You know, I don't know. R- save that a little bit because I feel like you uh, feel like they shot their load a little early in that regard. Go ahead. All right, guys, here's the ending. In the basement, Felix proceeds to kill Drake himself by stabbing him with multiple screwdrivers after telling him of Kelly's death. On the top floors, Aaron discovers Paul's body and ends up jumping through a second-story window to escape Fox Mask, injured her leg via a glass shard in another amazing shot. She is attacked in the woods by Lamb Mask and escapes back inside as Lamb Mask pulls his best Harry and Lloyd impression, falling for the old nail-through-the-foot trick. Psycho Z tries to have sex with Felix next to his dead mom, but is quickly shot down in a scene that almost fell out of place to an extent. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, while in hiding, Aaron overhears an argument between Felix Z, Fox Mask, and Lamb Mask, where we find out that Lamb Mask and Tiger Mask were brothers. Jesus Christ, that was a lot of masks. Her cell phone beeps to indicate that her text to 911 has gone through, however, also alerting the others. After handing Fox Mask a throat punch, Aaron is able to limp her way to another room where she is able to ambush Lamb Mask, stabbing him in the head, killing him instantly. Aaron proceeds to set a trap at the front door where an axe would fall and kill anyone who opens the door. However, Fox Mask enters through a window, so Aaron lures him into the basement where she blinds him with camera flashes before cracking his skull with a log, killing him. Z and Felix then attempt to attack and kill Aaron themselves, but she shreds the top of Felix's head with a goddamn blender that looked amazing before stabbing Z in the top of the head with a knife as well. Felix's cell phone rings and... Aaron answers without speaking. Believing he's talking to Felix, Crispin reveals his involvement in the scheme. Aaron confronts him when he returns, and Crispin explains that she was never meant to be targeted. After he attempts to bribe her into staying quiet, she kills him by stabbing him in the eye and the fucking neck. The movie ends with a police officer arriving and shooting Aaron in the shoulder, having seen her kill Crispin. After calling for backup, he attempts to enter the house and is killed presumably, with Aaron's axe trapped to the head as we cut to a blood-spattered You're Next as the movie ends. Nico, what did you think of the ending? All right, y'all, this is the set of scenes I got the most on. Drake is a douchey big brother, but I think he does a fine job of acting throughout, especially in this scene. His reaction to hearing Kelly's death is superb. Ever since I watched bits and pieces of that Three Guys, One Hammer video years ago, I have a fear of being stabbed with a screwdriver. And then Felix have, having the audacity of being mad Drake's not dying fast enough. My man Drake has gone through it the past few hours. Z should have killed Aaron as soon as she had the chance. After seeing what she did to Tiger Mask, killing Aaron should have become the priority. 
I'm torn on how I feel about Aaron jumping out of this window. I mean, this is a movie, so of course she's going to survive, but that has the potential to go very badly. You break your leg, you're not getting away. You're fucked. I like how even in the midst of all the chaos, she was still smart enough to grab something to tourniquet her leg wound. Aaron continues to be the goat. Gotcha, bitch, as Landmass steps on the nail. Something else I hope I never experience. Z is freaky as hell, wanting to fuck Felix right beside his dead mother's corpse. Jesus Christ. This is a really good reveal as Aaron overhears, overhears Felix's master plan. He's such a slimy piece of shit. I really love how chill Fox Mask is and this piece of music we get as he walks towards Aaron behind the curtains. Bro catches a throat punch, and I know these guys got to be pissed a chick is whooping their ass this bad. Aaron with another smart decision going back into the house instead of running into the woods. I am a little disappointed with the kill Lamb Mask gets. Simple stab to the head. Meh. But at least we get a badass visual of Aaron in the window with the axe. I really like that visual. Another nice piece of music as she gets back on her Nancy Thompson. Kevin McAllister vibes as she sets up this axe trap. Felix continues to have no composure. And I quite enjoy Fox, Ma Fox Mask mocking him and not taking him seriously. Uh, yeah, Felix fucking sucks. I like this basement scene. It's a very creative distraction, setting the camera up to flash over and over. But I do question if he's dumb enough to actually fall for this. Pretty good kill as Aaron bludgeons him with a fireplace log over and over. But we do get a pretty noticeable get goof here. She's covered in fox mask blood. But once she gets back upstairs, where'd all the blood go? Shout out to IMDB for that one. I can't not notice it now. Kind of ruins that scene. Kind of like how Brian ruined the Jeepers Creepers scene for me when you see the goddamn zipper on his on his suit. <laughs> Felix whiffs with the crossbow to no one's surprise. I don't understand why he turns his jammer off just to grab a little knife from the trunk. I didn't make sense to me. All right, one of the best scenes now with Aaron whooping Z and Felix's ass. It's not even hot, you dumb bitch. Then proceeds to slip in the water. It makes me laugh every single time. Felix has the easiest opportunity to kill Aaron, but stabs her in the shoulder. Moment was too big. He pissed down his leg. This blender to the head kill is super creative, and I love it. Z gets a basic kill with a knife to the top of the dome, but goddamn how strong is Aaron to stab that knife all the way through her skull. I call Aaron a sprained ankle because she ain't nothing to play with. Now we get the reveal that bitch-ass Crispin is in on it, too. At this moment, I can only hope he gets a brutal death. I do think A.J. Bowen does a fine job delivering this soliloquy to Aaron, doing his best to pitch her on joining him and not snitching how he wants to make her rich, pay off her student loans, quit her bartending job. I, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe an alternate ending where she does take it just to see how it feel. I think it's pretty good. But he gets a stab to the neck and in the eyeball. Good shit, Aaron. Love the line when Aaron says, why the fuck not? The police finally show up, shoots her. I can't imagine what's going through this fucking cop's mind seeing all this carnage from the window. I bet you he's thinking, holy mother shit. A lot of horror movies we cover on this show completely whiff on the ending. I love how it ends on the cop walking in the front door, catching that axe, and it cuts to one last, you're next. The credits are fun, too, with how the characters are revealed. I think this is a great home invasion movie that has the best final girl of all time in it, or the most badass final girl, excuse me. I love this scene because even though you kind of hated Drake along the way, it's just tough to watch brothers turn on each other like that. And again, in the long run, we should not have hated Drake. Yes, he was a dick, but he clearly loved his wife and, and cared about his family. He was innocent in all of this. Uh, and again, just, just really tough to watch brothers turn on each other like that, which is how I feel daily in the don't go out there group chat. I feel like everybody turns on me daily. I mean, it's brothers turning on me like that. It's uncalled for. It's, it's, it's crazy what happens to slander in there on me anyway look 
I definitely would have killed Aaron right there if I was Z if I had the chance. Here's a chance. It's the it's the best chance you're ever going to get. You got these nails on a board. So what if she turns around and sees you? Hit her in the face with the fucking board. You didn't. Z, you're a fucking pussy. As Coach Thirty and Nico would say, moment too big, pissed down her leg. Missed the opportunity there. Look, she may have hated this like compound upbringing childhood thing, but it ended up being a big help. So, I mean, in this situation, you could thank her training. It's kind of like uh, Halloween 2018 with, with you know, Lori and, 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 and everything, how she brought her daughter up all weird, but it ended up paying off in the long run. So, you know, anyway, look, dumb Aaron choice number two. Her jumping out of this window to me is fucking stupid. Just one of the only like really dumb things that she does. I know that's like, hey, fight or flight, what are you going to do? Not jump out a fucking window because like, you know, you could break anything doing that. I just, ah, all the smart things that she's done up to this point, that was a fucking dumb one. A nail or anything going through the bottom of my foot is one of my biggest fears in life. The thought makes me ill. I, oh, I can't, I don't even like stepping on anything that's irregular on the bottom of my foot. It creeps me out. I don't like it. Give me the heebie-jeebies watching it. Ugh, so fucking terrible. All right. This woman Z is a mad, well, a mad woman, I guess. Because who wants to fuck next to a dead body? Much less your boyfriend's mom. That's fucking disgusting. She needs to be put in a mental institution, although her brain becomes madder later, so no big deal. Uh, this dude has a, now I will say, small nitpick. This dude's inheritance, like, it, it, inheritance plot, it's really dumb. This dude is banking on getting all the inheritance. Like, no one's ever going to solve this crime. Dude, you have bloody bodies all over this house. You guys are the only survivor. Like, who, all of you guys are going to get found out eventually. I think that's dumb. This isn't 1945 where you could just get away with shit. You will get found. It's kind of a nitpick of mine, but it's small. Um, Again, I do like the inner fighting that we start to get with all the killers. Uh, them turning on each other is a little bit of a fun thing I wasn't expecting in the beginning of this movie. So, you know, and again, the last 15 minutes that we get here is just Aaron being a fucking badass. The iconic shot through the window there, fucking phenomenal. I know it's on the poster. It's a lot of the, you know, favorable shots you get out of this movie, but I love it. Then there's like this synthy score, you know, this like 80s, Cynthia vibe score that they start to play over some of it. And I think it's fucking brilliant. It's awesome. Again, very Home Alone-esque because you get all these booby traps. But I actually really like it here, even though it's kind of uh, illogical, some of this stuff. Uh, the flashbulb trick, fucking brilliant. Love it. Love that kill. It's awesome. And then we get to the two best kills of the movie, man. The fucking blender kill is phenomenal. I don't care how much sense it doesn't make. It's still fucking awesome. What a creative kill. You know, in a in horror movies where we kind of lack creative kills lately, and what we see, this is fucking awesome. I love it. And the knife through the head is it's just as awesome. It, it takes a lot of force. It's a cool-looking kill. How often do you see a knife through the top of the head? Not very. I loved it. Very creative and different. Um, and I just knew, like, about once – Crispin disappears. I had a feeling that he was involved somehow. We hadn't heard from him in a while. Hadn't seen him in a while. Where is this motherfucker? Oh, he's off being a giant fucking pussy because he couldn't step up and actually do what his brother and Z were doing. I mean, he didn't have the balls to face the situation. So him being involved, that twist, while unnecessary, I do think it is a cherry on top because we get that last interaction with Crispin and Aaron 
and, and and the discovery of him, you know, being a part of it, her facial expressions, then him having the unmitigated gall to criticize her for being a killer or being fucking crazy is absurd. I love it because you just know this woman's waiting to shut him up. Bam. Next stab. I love it. Love the way it ends. Uh, I love the line she ends with. Fucking brilliant. One of the favorite final set of scenes that we've done in a long time. I, I, I just think it's fucking awesome. So, man, great empathy, Felix. Like, that's not exactly how to tell someone about a death. But I guess it's okay because he just went and stabbed Drake with some screwdrivers. There is a great line there, though. He said, would you just die already? This is hard enough for me. Like, <laughs> that shit was funny. Uh, something I find inconsistent with Aaron's character, though, and really hard to believe is that she's still carrying around a meat tenderizer as her weapon of choice. Like she could have grabbed the ax after Drake laid it down on the table or something or anything else. They went down to the basement. Surely to God, there was something better than a small meat tenderizer pause. And then she just chucked it. She missed horribly and jumped out the window. I'm not buying that either. Like that's, that's inconsistent with her savviness, like how she's been this, this whole time. And then God, Damn, that glass was deep in her thigh. Like, that was brutal to watch when she pulled it out. Didn't like that one bit. Um, and then, yeah, you guys said it, but it's, it bears repeating. Wanting to fuck next to his dead mom, ugh, that's a kind of crazy that even I can't condone. Like, usually, you guys know me behind the scenes. I love a crazy girl, but that's a different level. I don't think, keyword think, I don't think I can keep up with her. Uh, Felix's little tirade, stupid. Uh, it's, it's, he would never yell all that shit without knowing where Aaron was. Like, you know, the, she doesn't know necessarily who's in on a what, but he's just spilling the plan for everyone. I guess landed out for the audience is what they were doing, but it just, it was unbelievable. It, I don't like that. Uh, and then after she splits the one guy's wig, I love how she Kevin McAllister's that door. Like that was a hell of a booby trap. Uh, the abrupt stopping of the score kind of threw me there though. Cause you, you mentioned that we got that like 80s synthesizer type score or whatever while she's doing all this. And then it just stops cold Turkey. That was weird. Cur- curtains are still open, by the way. Curtains still open. Felix never, uh, you know, could have shot at her through the window if they just closed the damn curtains an hour ago. Okay. I'm off of that, but a fucking blender to the dome. Holy shit. That's, that's one of the top kills. I think we've ever covered. I get it. It might be a little illogical. I don't know how strong blenders are, their motors and their blades and all that, but it looked incredible. The final twist, Crispin being in on it. Like I said earlier, I wondered about him the whole movie. I said, damn, he's been gone a long time. Like, is he going to be in on this shit? Like this is just too, too fishy to me. And then, yeah, He's in on it. I don't like it. Should have been uh, much more unexpected, but it just didn't hit for me. I love that she stabbed him, though, but I hate that she got shot. What the fuck, cop? Like, you know, you got to get the story before you just start shooting. Uh, I did kind of laugh, though, when the cop got home alone. Like, none of the killers walked through her trap, but a cop did to send us home. That's beautiful. Love that. Uh, solid ending, though. It's it's It was a fun ride. Absolutely. Let's go to social media comments. <laughs> uh, Kevin Potoff on Facebook. Pretty great movie. Nice twist with a survivalist. And uh, Dustin Burner, Dex Cole. Great movie. I would love a spinoff or sequel of sorts. 
And I usually love anything with AJ Bowen in it, and this one is no different. I disagree. Time out. That proves so. that proves it's not my burner. When the oh, hell have wow. you ever heard me ask for a sequel? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're pretty smart. Maybe, you maybe you're maybe you're playing mind tricks because you yeah. know that we would think that wouldn't be you. You're trying to throw us off the trail, Dex. Kept <laughs> mm. mm. it I will disagree with Dex, though. I do not want yeah. a sequel or spinoff of this. No, nah, this is perfect. And it's so great. Let's not do it again. Respectfully, brother. Absolutely. Yes, of course, respectfully. On to the Graham, uh, Missy Hutchinson Wall. Aaron is a badass. Just a comment. And uh, teammate of the show, Kevin Scanlon. I'm looking forward to rewatching this one. I've only seen it once and only remember bits and pieces. You know, I hope, hope you remember, Kevin. You have to watch all of the movies we do. Just throwing that out there. Thanks. Uh, on to Twitter, Mookie didn't like the twist that it was two brothers, and she was an outback survivalist. The dialogue is cringy at best. I enjoy the kills in this, even if some of them are stupid, like the tripwire to the throat. With all that said, it's a pretty enjoyable movie for me, so three out of five. Well, we rate out of ten here, Mookie, but we'll take three out of five. What do you think? I like three out of five. That's like a seven out of ten percentages, buddy. Well, if you Math. double five, you get to two. I made it. Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> if Kevin has four right. apples, sorry. <laughs> this is why I'm not- uh, Sean the Glee Man, the poet sloth, our guy. This movie was so much fun. I watch it every Thanksgiving. Seems like an odd time to watch it, but hey, anytime's good. Better Let's than go. watching Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Why you got to pit two bad bitches against each other? Don't don't do Thanksgiving like that. There's room at the table for both this and Thanksgiving. I would retroactively change my score. I do apologize. I was in a bad mood. Oh please! It, it gets a one now instead of a negative two. <laughs> All right. Uh, does anybody have any fun facts? Oh, now it's time for those. I got just a couple. Uh, the masks in this film were inspired by the masks in the video game Hotline Miami, but to me. When I see the mask, I see Eric Rowan of the Wyatt family from WWE. I mean, come on. Follow it's, the buzzards, baby. Follow the buzzards. Um, and then the last one I have is uh, Simon Barrett, the Tiger Mask Killer, is actually the movie screenwriter. So that's all I got. All right, I only got two of them. The majority of the film was shot with handheld camera to increase tension. I like that. And this one was another cool one because I, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of movies, but I can't think of any like this. The body count is 15. Literally everybody on screen dies except for Aaron. I can't think of any other horror movies where only that person survives, but. Ready or not, maybe. Does she? See, I can't remember if everyone at the beginning or I can't remember. But you you might be right with ready or not. Like some aura weavings, the only survivor. Yeah. I don't remember. Weren't there some cops that showed up, though? Yes. Uh, Yeah. At the end. Yep, there you go. This movie was made for a cool $1 million and made a whopping $18,475,000 on a $1 million budget. That's pretty fucking awesome. That is good, but I also thought it would earn more than that. That's kind of surprising. I mean, on a $1 million budget, I believe it had a little bit of a limited release as well around 2011. It got got released first at a uh, movie festival and then got a limited theatrical run like two years later. So, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's, cool. That's a shame. This one deserved to do better in theaters, I yeah, think. Man, I ho- 
Has it, do you guys know, has it been on like Netflix at all before? Like, I don't really know. I, I, like, has it been on like a major, major streaming service? It's on, it's like on, it's on HBO it's on Max. That's pretty fucking right now. It's pretty major. I know it's on HBO Max now, but has it ever been on Netflix before? Come on. I'm, I'm not sure, yeah. honestly. How, I mean, there's a big user difference there is what I'm trying to say. All right, let's move on to favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Nico, you want to get started? Yeah, I'll go first. I'm going to start off with the least favorite kill, Amy. Good-looking throat slice, but I think it was stupid as fuck to try and run outside and outrun these guys. You don't know what's all out there. And obviously you didn't know it was out there because you got your fucking throat slit. So I thought that was stupid. Favorite kill. I was texting with Dustin the other day about my favorite kill. There's three contenders. Obviously the blender kill is the most creative, the coolest one. But I really love Aaron's first kill with the meat tenderizer, you know, because that's a kill that all horror fans want. You know, kill that motherfucker and make sure they're dead. Don't hit them one time and drop your weapon. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I also love uh, Kelly's kill with the axe. I think that's a great kill as well. And after much debate, I chose Kelly's kill just because I thought the whole scene was great. But you can't go wrong with any of those three kills. I wouldn't be mad at it. Uh, overall rating, big home invasion fan. Uh, the Strangers is still my personal favorite just because I have so much nostalgia with it. It's all in the theaters, all that good stuff. But I would argue that your next is either two or three for me personally with Vacancy. Uh, I rated Vacancy a nine, so I'm going to rate your next a nine as well. I, Aaron's awesome. Barbara Crampton. Uh, I can't remember Paul's name. Rob Moran. I love him as well. Like Dustin mentioned, he's a bartender and fucking Dumb and Dumber. That movie's awesome. Uh, this <laughs> yeah. is a fun home invasion movie. Great kills. Well-paced. You don't get bored at all. I could rewatch this movie every single day, I think, and be fine with it and not be bored of it. So, yeah, I gave it a nine out of ten. Nice. Good rating. I'll go ahead and go. Um, my favorite kill, I actually picked uh, Tiger Mask, the meat tenderizer kill with Aaron as well. Um, I was trying to go between that one and the blender kill, but I, I just I really like that one. It's just a little bit different. My least favorite kill, uh, I, I was I, I think it's going to be the uh, the first one, Talia, where she was off screen. It didn't show it whatsoever. Um, so I, I went with that one. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say that I didn't say in my opening. Uh, I love the movie. I absolutely love the ending. Um, the only thing I will answer is, you know, Nico asked at the beginning of the start of this, you know, how I would feel as a parent watching some of this stuff happen in front of me. Not to get too dark, but I mean, you know, most parents have probably feel this way, but I, I don't think that I would be able to, you know, proceed and go on with my life losing one of my children. So I uh, am pretty confident that I would just probably see red and, and run outside and try to either kill somebody or be killed pretty quick. So either one would be a satisfying ending. That's the way I would probably take it. But as far as a rating goes on this movie, I actually went with a 9.25. Um, I really even considered going a little bit higher, but uh, I, I really love this movie a lot. Yeah, not much more that I have to say. I didn't say in my scene by scene, but I will say, Fun ass, just a fun ass home invasion movie, and fun by the means I'm like, holy shit! Like I, you know, I'm I'm involved, I'm interested, I want to know what's going on, I want to know how this movie ends. Not fun in the sense that it was funny, just like a really quick good watch. Like, and I can't express how much I like those. <laughs> uh, it took a lot of tropes, twisted them around. I love that, it, you know, twisted the final girl trope around home invasion, twisted all that around. Like, really, really good stuff. Great writing to me. One of the best Final Girl portrayals in all of horror history. I don't think it's it's up for a debate. She's in the top, you know, top echelon of that character trope for sure. Cast is great. 
perfectly casted. Cinematography, some of the shots we get is are absolutely outstanding. Haven't said that in a while, so I thought I'd bring my cinematography line back. Uh, and the kills are great. Just even the ones that are really stupid and don't make sense are good kills. And I like when a movie does that. Big fan of this film. My favorite kill, no surprise, is the blender. My least favorite is stabbing the brother because that's tough. I get stabbed every day in the don't go out there chat. That was a hard watch for me. I felt it emotionally. So uh, the brother getting stabbed was my least favorite because, again, when a movie has mostly all good kills, got to pick something. And that I didn't want to see that. That's a tough watch. So, hey, Brian, we're, on, we're in Sympatico again this week. I gave this movie a 9.25. Okay. So uh, my favorite kill, look, there was a couple options. I told Nico, like, uh, I wanted to go with the swinging a golf club or swinging an axe like a golf club, but I had to go with the uh, the blender. Making a brain smoothie, like, that's pretty – it's pretty badass, so went with that one. Uh, least favorite kill – even though it was a pretty good throat slash, and we love a good throat slash, I got to go with Paul because that motherfucker was so unaware and oblivious to his surroundings. It just made it borderline unbelievable to me. Like, there's no way anyone is really that stupid. Um, the movie was fun, though. I enjoyed it. Like you, like we've said multiple times, it's a quick watch, and it's paced really well. So even at 95 minutes, you don't feel it. I could definitely can see myself throwing this one into rotation. Like it's very fun, but it does have its flaws. I mentioned throughout like how illogical some of the choices were. Like I almost felt like this was um, a cabin in the woods. Like I felt like someone was controlling them, manipulating them to make these stupid decisions, like leaving the fucking curtains open. Um, but like I said, it was a fun movie. I liked it. Good choice, Nico. I went with the 7.5. That gives us a composite score of 8.75. IMDb has it as 6.6 with 105,000 ratings. This is rated a lot higher than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Look at that. We finally finally unanimously love one of Nico's picks. Great job, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate <laughs> I'm it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You normally oh, pick well. Oh, sleepaway camp over here talking. Anywho... <laughs> Now, I explained the goddamn pick, and I gave it a poor rating. Look at you. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Any final thoughts, guys? We're going to shout out the blood donors. We'll have Dustin announce his pick for next week. Close out subgenre month. All right, let's shout out our blood donors. Camper Lover Reoccurring, Clayton J., Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, The Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Brian Samick, Trisha, and Kelsey Miller. Our camp council reoccurring are Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home podcast, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Karen, Matt Strickland, Gail Kuntz, and the greatest Instagram handle of all time. Optional 13th goes. We really appreciate y'all's final financial contributions. It's a really tough time economically, but you still choose to support your favorite horror podcast, and we really appreciate it. Next week will be Dustin, his pick. He's closing out subgenre month. I gave him Monster Creature Feature, and uh, he picked a movie with one of his favorite actors. Uh, you want to announce it? Yeah, man, we're going to have some fun next week. Uh, you mentioned one of my favorite actors. Uh, how about one of my favorite actresses, Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> um, but this movie stars the great, the legend, if acting had a Hall of Fame, the first ballot Hall of Famer, David Arquette. I'm talking about 2002's. <laughs> 
Eight-Legged Freaks. It's also available on Macs. So, Mike, you don't have to do your uh, less than reputable ways. What to, are you to talking watch about? I watched this movie on Max. Yeah, we'll watch this next one on Max as well. <laughs> I sure will, freaks. pal. That's where I watch all my South Park, too, you know. I'm not just... Same. Not, yeah, see? I watch South Park every night as I'm falling asleep. Me too, buddy. Welcome to the club. <laughs> just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate all the support. I think this has been a really fun month. Some good picks. Uh, I did think it was kind of a funny coincidence that me and Brian picked a movie with the same director and writer by pure happenstance. That was not planned at all. I thought it was really cool when I found that out. Uh, looking forward to Eight-Legged Freaks. I, re- I watched that for the first time a couple weeks ago. It's a fun movie. I'm excited to review it. That was, I think, Dustin's number two runner-up in the fan choice month. So the people yep. are ready for it. So I'm excited. Appreciate the fans and listeners. Y'all have a good one. So you an Eight-Legged Freak. Just want to remind everybody. Oh, good out there. When the hands of fate from the midnight hour behind this mask of hate.